0: Previously on the storyteller Naked Villainy, Kit Harrison denies physically assaulting Brenda.
1: I was never physically violent to to Brenda Page on any occasion.
0: He claims Brenda lied to colleagues just to get a divorce.
1: You're kind and loving and gentle and yet you're made out to be a monster.
0: And that it was she who was aggressive with him.
1: I would say violent and angry, and I couldn't understand what was going on.
0: It's taken 45 years to bring a killer to court. And for the first time in UK history, you'll hear the full murder trial and witness justice being done. It was a brutal murder of a brilliant woman who was a rising star in genetic research.
2: It would now be almost like a script from Morse. The investigators swarming over the, the dreaming spires of university land.
1: There was kind of palpable feeling of evil in the air. I was told it was just a mass blood in here.
0: Two decades on from confronting evil. So did you kill your ex wife, Brenda Page? Evil is being confronted by the law. Did you kill her? No. She knew it was coming. He said he was going to kill her. If he killed her, he would do it so that nobody would know. Will his true nature be unmasked?
2: Are you familiar with the tale of Dr Jekyll and Mr Hyde?
0: And can Brenda's own words help secure her killer's fate? A
2: letter of
0: a death foretold. This is the storyteller, naked villainy, Written, produced and edited by me, Isla Trequere. The examination in chief was in full flow and Dr Kit Harrison was providing an excuse for everything. Many complex and detailed. Quite remarkable considering the passage of time. Would you remember where your spouse had been shopping when they caught their head on the catch of the car boot? Or whether a room was sunny before they had a fall? And there was a lot more to come whether he was asked about it or not. We'll rejoin at the point where Defence KC, Brian McConaughey moved on to the subject of the interim interdict.
2: So far as the interdict proceedings were concerned, did you defend them in any way? I I didn't. Was there a reason for that?
1: I thought that just like the reasons for getting a divorce. In 1978, one had to provide reasons for a divorce and Brenda Page had chosen for cruelty. In the case of the interim interdict, she was starting a new relationship with a new boyfriend and wanted to be left completely in peace.
2: Were you disturbing her peace in any way?
1: Not at all. I was far too busy finishing off my thesis.
2: Were you turning up at her flat at 13 Allen Street uh, uninvited?
1: No, only when I was asked. She, on one occasion, asked me to look after her cats, which I did, and uh, on a subsequent occasion, much later, she invited me to come and have dinner, as we've heard from Mrs. Burt. And we also had a picnic on the grass behind the house when she invited me to do that.
2: We'll come to that in a a moment or two. After the separation and, indeed, after the divorce, how would you describe relations between yourself and Brenda? Amicable. You've already just mentioned certain incidents, a, a picnic. Where was the picnic? In Allen Street. Do you remember when that was, Benny Chance? Oh.
1: I think it was probably uh, June of 1978, but I'm not
2: completely certain. You also mentioned something about dinner.
1: She invited me to dinner and I bought a brought a bottle of wine
2: to cheer her up. Uh, and was that again at 13 Allen Street? I think so, yes. Did you attend any conferences with Brenda Page? In 1976
1: we went to an international conference together in Mexico City and we had booked that conference in March of 1976 before we separated. And so we went together to the conference in Mexico and then at the beginning of 1978. In May of 1978 we attended a conference in Vienna in Austria.
2: By the time you went to the conference in Austria uh, were you already divorced?
1: We divorced in uh, October 1977. And who did you go to the
2: conference in Vienna with? Uh,
1: Jesse Watts who was Brenda Page's student and Jesse Watt's husband, Mr. Milne.
2: And uh, what were the, the arrangements insofar as Vienna were concerned? How were they made?
1: Brenda Page had asked me in advance to book a hotel because she knew I was acquainted with Vienna and knew the language and could arrange to find a suitable hotel close to where the conference was being held.
2: Why were you acquainted with Vienna? Because I had
1: a gap year before going to uh, Cambridge when I spent a year learning German in Austria. So,
2: did you make the arrangements for the Austrian trip? I did indeed. And was that for... Just yourself and Brenda, or was that for others as well?
1: All four of us.
2: And uh, how were relationships, or how was the relationship during that conference?
1: Very friendly. We met uh, Dr Marina Sebright, who we'd uh, first of all met in Mexico City uh, two years before, and uh, she couldn't believe that we
2: were divorced. And did you spend time with the people who you had gone to Vienna with?
1: Yes, we did. There were four official excursions uh, to various places. And I asked Brenda Page which, if any, of the excursions she would like to uh, <coughs> go along with. And she chose an official conference excursion to Meiling and the mountains was the title of it and so the conference had had a bus which drew up in front of the Rathaus in Vienna and we took the bus from the Rathaus into the mountains.
2: When you came back from Vienna how were relationships between you and Brenda? Entirely amicable. During this sort of period, I suppose, the late spring, early summer of 1978, what was the position so far as your uh, thesis was concerned? I had, first
1: of all, an aural exam, that's to say a, a verbal examination, with an external specialist who came up from London and with an internal examiner who was a Dr. Martin Prestige, and I needed to uh, buy some very uncomfortable walking shoes to uh, attend an oral examination. And then there was an official graduation ceremony uh, (coughs) in the McEwen Hall. When was that? And I think that was
2: uh, probably the middle of June. Of? 1978. And was that when you became Dr. Harrison? Yes.
0: Note the mention of him buying uncomfortable walking shoes. Nothing more is said about them at this point, but no doubt the inference was this is why he bought new shoes in Edinburgh the morning after the murder. But why would anyone have to buy uncomfortable walking shoes to attend an oral examination?
2: And so far as your thesis was concerned, what what was it in? What did it involve? Uh, The fibrous proteins of nervous tissue. And was there any connection between that and any work that Brenda Page did? None whatsoever. You may have heard, I think, yesterday in the course of the interview that was carried out with you by the police in 2020 that there was some suggestion put to you that you had indicated that Brenda had stolen your research?
1: What happened was that while Brenda was looking after my house while I was away, she fed the chickens in the back garden and looked after the cat. And on one occasion, she took with her a test tube rack full of polyacrylamide gels which were used for measuring atomic weights of very high molecular weight proteins.
2: Uh, and what's the connection between that and what was suggested to you by the police that she had uh, somehow taken, taken, taken credit it, for your research, I think might have been the phrase that was she, used.
1: That may be something completely different. With Brenda Page together, before the conference in the International Congress in, in of Genetics in, in Mexico, I published a paper in Nature uh, about an alkaloid in Mexican cactuses which would provide an alkaloid which was extremely cheap and ideal for making chromosome preparations and if it had been used widely in... The United Kingdom, it would have saved the NHS £4 million a year.
0: An alkaloid in Mexican cacti, ideal for making chromosome preparations, which could have saved the NHS millions of pounds. His case, literally ignores the fact he's just said that and steers him straight back to the relevant questioning. Let's take a quick breather from the courtroom, because I want to check in with you all and share something personal about me while I tell you about the episode sponsor, BetterHelp. Now, we've just passed Valentine's Day, and I'm sure you've witnessed the tornado of romantic photos and musical montages. But remember, things aren't always as they seem. I remember smiling for photos when I would be crying in the inside. My marriage was in trouble and I'd been trying to fix things myself and I was trying to persuade my other half to get counselling but he bought into the negative attitudes. However, he eventually agreed and we worked so hard, talking, tears, hugs and we actually ultimately decided to end our marriage but with grace and respect. And 17 years on, we are great friends and we simply wouldn't have that friendship without the therapy. So since then I tell everyone to get therapy and I'm a huge champion for better help because the hurdles which many people use as an excuse not to go to counselling is difficulty finding the right therapist and fitting it into your schedule. Well those aren't issues with BetterHelp because you just go online, fill out a simple questionnaire and it matches you with a therapist suitable to your needs. And it's all online. Video calls or phone calls if you prefer, even texts if you need to ease in. But even if you think that your relationship is fine and dandy, nothing wrong with fine tuning it. I'm so proud of myself and my ex for the work that we put into therapy. And I know you might have expected me to have a different happy ending, but for us, that was the happy ending we needed. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. They provide access to UK mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise and there's no referral needed. And you listeners will get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash storyteller. That's betterhelp.com slash storyteller. Now let's return to the courtroom.
2: Did you ever accuse Brenda of stealing your research or taking credit for your research or anything of that nature?
1: Never. I I simply knew that she had taken the test tube rack of polyacrylamide gels and the test tube rack when I went to pay her a visit and say what what's happened to the rack of polyacrylamide gels. That was the test tube rack on the side of her laboratory bench, but there were no polyacrylamide gels.
2: Uh, and did that cause a problem between you and her?
1: No, I just asked her what, what did you do with the polyacrylamide gels?
2: Now in the Time after your separation, did you become aware of the fact that Brenda Page had joined an escort agency?
1: She told me that she had joined an escort agency, but uh, after her divorce, she was entirely free to do whatever she liked.
2: Was that something which concerned you?
1: It concerned me slightly. I thought that as a well-paid university lecturer that it wasn't a good thing to be leading a double life uh, as somebody who in the evenings worked for an escort agency.
2: Did you have any concerns about her welfare?
1: I was deeply concerned about her welfare because uh, it's not a, a business which you can remain healthy in. What do you mean by that? the risks of contracting some unpleasant disease are relatively high.
0: Another contradiction. She was free to do what she liked after their divorce, and yet that last comment about contracting an unpleasant disease proves he believed she was having sex with clients as part of the job. Pay close attention to the mention of a green bag in this next section. It's never mentioned in the trial, apart from by Kit himself. He describes it and where he got it from. You'll hear more about this in the extra content and the huge investigation along the train line from Stonehaven to Edinburgh.
2: In the period in the middle of July 1978, did you meet Brenda Page in the week leading up to her death?
1: I was returning during the week after my graduation, a whole series of books to different libraries. And I went with a green Harvard book bag to the library at Forrester Hill to return books. And I met Brenda Page in the car park. And she said, oh, hello, congratulations on your graduation. I'm in a bit of a pickle because I need to go and collect my car from the Holland Street garage, but I haven't got any transport. So I said to her, pop into my car and we'll drive to the Holland garage and I'll drop you there. And did you do
2: that? I did indeed. At that point in time, do do you know what day of the week that was or what date it was?
1: It's difficult. I believe that that must have been... Uh, round about the eleventh of July, something like that it was either the Monday or the Tuesday of, of that week. I think it was the Tuesday.
2: And when you took her to the garage to collect her car, uh, what car were you driving?
1: I was driving my green
2: Mini estate car. And is that what the one we've seen the the photo, the black and white photographs? It is. And. When you went to the garage, did you drive there or did she drive there?
1: I, I drove there.
2: And when you got there, what happened?
1: I simply uh, opened the car door, she got out and uh, I drove on.
2: Was there any discussion at that point about uh, meeting up again that week? Yes, when we met in the car park, she'd
1: said, uh, you're looking a bit scruffy. If you uh, come round to Allen Street, I'll give you a haircut. And did you do that? I did the following day. That was the 12th of July.
2: What happened then on the, the 12th of July? Um, I thought
1: just as a thank you for, for the haircut, I would bring round a fish supper. So I took one portion of fish and one mealy pudding. And knocked at the door in Allen Street. Did you get into the property? After leaving me standing in the hall for about five minutes, Brenda opened the door and let me in.
2: What happened when you went in?
1: Uh, We put the fish supper into the oven to warm up again and she gave me a haircut. How was that done? I'm sorry, I didn't hear that.
2: No, it's my fault. How how was that done, the haircut? How did did she go about that?
1: She put a towel down on the floor and put a chair on the middle of the towel and then put a towel around my neck, washed my hair in the sink of the kitchen and then gave me a, a, a half blow dry and then cut my hair wet.
2: You maybe have already answered the question by the way you've described this, but which room of the house was this in? The kitchen. And I think we saw photographs at one point which showed what seemed to be a kind of kitchen come living room, is that...? That's right.
0: I'm going to pause here a second. In that last section, he claimed Brenda was in his car, possibly justifying transference of the paint fleck. He gave a reason for going to Brenda's on July 12th, including the detail of waiting for five minutes to be let in, taking one fish supper and a mealy pudding that's a traditional Scottish oat-based side dish and apparently having his hair cut. I couldn't help but wonder if the story of the haircut was a lie thought up by him in anticipation of the potential of hair belonging to him being found at the scene. I can't think of a better explanation. But hair wasn't found or detected at the time and if he had had his hair cut on a towel in her kitchen you'd expect there to be hair found by the forensic team. Would she have had time to wash a hair-covered towel? Would hair have been found in her bin? A source close to Brenda told me they didn't believe she was the type of person to offer at-home haircuts.
2: After the, the haircut, what happened?
1: I simply... We, we, had the, we ate the fish supper, which by that time had worn through, and after eating the fish supper, I uh, left her flat and drove
2: home. And you said, I think, that you believe this was the 12th of July? Yes. Did you see her again after that? No. On the uh, evening of the 13th of July into the early hours of the morning of the 14th of July, where were you? On the
1: evening of the 13th of July, I'd been down to Marshall, drove down to Marshall College in the evening in, in my green mini to see if there was any post had arrived with the sacrist who looked after miscellaneous post in the cubicle just under the arch of the opening of Marshall College as, as it then was.
2: Uh, do you any idea what time that was?
1: Around about uh, eight o'clock in the evening where did you go after that? Uh, I didn't find the sacrist and I thought, oh dear, I'll come back then in an hour. And I went to the cinema complex at, uh, on Union Street and watched a dreadful film for an hour and then came out and uh, visited the sacrist's office. And there was still nobody there, so I drove home.
2: Home at that time was 12 Mile End Place? It was. And where did you park your car? I parked the car in front of my house,
1: but that was at a later time than Mr Hutchins said that there was no car parked in front of the house. Uh, What what time
2: would it be that you parked your car? Around about uh, half past ten. And where were you for the rest of the evening? At home. I needed
1: to get an early train the following day to return books to Edinburgh University. And so I set my uh, alarm clock for five o'clock in the morning and went to bed.
2: What was the train you were to
1: to get? The first train usually left around about six o'clock in the morning. And that
2: was a train from Aberdeen? It was. Going to? Going to Edinburgh. And the purpose of your journey to Edinburgh? Was to return books to the library. Uh, And which library was that? the medical library in Teviot Place. And on the 14th of July, what did you do? I got a
1: shock because uh, the alarm clock had stopped and it had stopped with the pointer saying five o'clock and I thought I'd missed the train. So I jumped out of bed and got into my car And I thought, well, if I can't catch it at Aberdeen, I'll catch it at
2: Stonehaven. So I drove down to Stonehaven. So the car that you drove to Stonehaven is, again, the green Mini? It is, yes. And uh, did you uh, arrive at Stonehaven?
1: I did, and there I got onto the platform. And to my astonishment, the clock, instead of saying six o'clock,
2: was still pointing to five o'clock. So what was the the situation then, so far as the timing was concerned? There
1: was nobody to sell tickets, and the only ticket you could get was through a ticket vending machine a day return to Dundee, which I bought.
2: Did you eventually get the train?
1: I did indeed. The six o'clock train I, I caught, and then at Dundee I asked the guard what's the best thing to do. Shall I pay an excess... And he said, uh, pay that when I arrive at uh,
2: Haymarket. Did you continue with the train to Haymarket in Edinburgh? I did. I continued to Haymarket. And what did you do when you got to Edinburgh?
1: Um, That was the first time that I'd actually been relatively free to do anything like getting necessary things for the house and uh, for the pets and it was exceedingly hard to find grit for chickens. So I bought some grit for chickens, I bought a a pair of shoes, and the watch that i had broken, falling down the stairs in the Forrester Hill uh, property when I was doing some experiments with Brenda Page in 1974, I smashed the watch and I smashed my hand which needed surgery so, it's not, of course, a, a dangerous leakage on the front stairs of the Forest Hill complex.
0: Pausing again, it seems inconceivable that he couldn't get pet supplies in the northeast of Scotland, an agricultural area, and could only find grit for his chickens in cosmopolitan Edinburgh. Shoes and watches were available to buy in Aberdeen. He's gone from denying anything about a watch strap to claiming he broke his watch four years before the murder, which involved a surgery, and yet he couldn't recall that incident during the police interview. And of course, if he fell while wearing the watch and smashed his hand as he claimed, that would explain the presence of blood on the strap. As I've said before, I don't normally pass comment. I do want you to be in the shoes of the jury, but this is so fantastical and loaded with explanations for everything that I
2: have to acknowledge it. You said this was the first opportunity you'd had for some time. What what was the reason why this was the the first opportunity? Finishing off
1: my doctoral thesis. I'd been doing nothing but doctoral thesis for about two years.
2: So when you got to Edinburgh, did you return your books?
1: I did. uh, I walked across the meadows and came into the medical complex at TV Place, went straight to the library and, and returned my books.
2: After you had uh, done your, your jobs, if you like, for that particular day, wh- where did you go then?
1: I went to Chambers Street to the Edinburgh Faculty Club and had lunch there. And then did I you... got a train back to Aberdeen at around about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. What time did you get back to Aberdeen? Uh, I think around about... takes about three hours, so it would be around about six o'clock in the evening.
2: Maybe that wasn't a very good question. Did you go back to Aberdeen or did you go to Stonehaven? No, Haven? I went to Stonehaven. I
1: caught the Aberdeen train but got out of Stonehaven because my car was parked in Stonehaven.
2: And did you then drive your car back to Aberdeen? I did. Well, whereabouts in Aberdeen did you drive your car back to? My land place. When you got to Mile End Place, what was the situation there? There were
1: police uh, waiting there who uh, said, can we come in a moment? And so I I took them in and they said, we've got some very bad news for you. Uh, Brenda Page has been found dead. Do you remember what your reaction was? I was extremely shocked and I said, oh my
2: Lord, how dreadful. Did they tell you why they were there to speak to you?
1: Uh, Soon after that, they said we're taking you down to Queen Street to ask you some questions.
2: And I think we had evidence from one of the officers who was there who said at that point that they cautioned you. They did. Did you say anything else to them about... Brenda Page, and about the circumstances of her death.
1: If they were taking me down to Queen Street to question me, I'd left the animals in the house, which hadn't had any food in the entire day, so I said, please, may I feed the chickens and give the cats some food?
2: And were you allowed to do that? I was allowed to feed the chickens. I'm not sure about uh, the cat. Uh, and then did they take you to Aberdeen? They did. At that time, back in 1978, were you allowed access to a solicitor? No, I wasn't. In relation to some of the the evidence in this case, I, I, I want to ask you some specific about some specific matters. Ladies and gentlemen, heard evidence from a, a lady called Elsa Christie, who told them that, uh, if I recall correctly, the night before Brenda was found dead, that you had telephoned Elsa Christie and told her you were going to kill Brenda.
1: Completely untrue. The
2: only telephone call I had in
1: 1978 with Elsa Christie was in January, and that was six months uh, previously.
2: What was that telephone call about?
1: Brenda Page had taken her new boyfriend First Footing and had visited relations of mine in Morningside. And uh, I rang Elsa Christie to ask, uh, had Brenda Page been with her new boyfriend First Footing with her as well?
2: Why were you interested in that?
1: Uh, I was rather upset because I didn't think it necessary for Brenda Page to take her new boyfriend
2: to visit my relations. So far as the new boyfriend was concerned, either at the time or subsequently, did you discover who that was?
1: No. Uh, Brenda Page called him Alan, my boyfriend in uh, Edinburgh.
2: But you didn't know who he was? No idea who he was. I wasn't really very interested. Did you have any conversation with Elsa Christie, whether it be in July or January or any other time, when you threatened to kill Brenda? No, certainly not. Was there an occasion when you contacted Sarah McIntyre with a view to asking her to contact Brenda? I think there was.
1: uh, that after I'd been served with an interim interdict, I was not allowed to make telephone calls to Brenda Page directly. So I asked Sally McIntyre whether she could do that for me and asked Brenda if she could possibly talk to me for a minute or two.
2: Do do you know what that was about?
1: I think that it was uh, something to do with my graduation.
0: Me again. So he wasn't interested in her new boyfriend. They were divorced and living separate lives... And yet he phoned Elsa Christie to ask if Brenda and her new man had first-footed, which is a New Year tradition in Scotland of visiting friends, often with a gift. Again, he's contradicting himself.
2: You spoke earlier on about the fact that there was an occasion when uh, Brenda had asked you to uh, feed her cats, or cat. Yes. Do you remember when that was?
1: I believe that that was probably... Just after we'd been in Vienna and she was wanting to go on holiday with relations and asked me if I could
2: uh, feed the cats in Allen Street. How were you to gain access to the house? She gave me a key. What did you do with that key once you had uh, done what you were asked to do?
1: I put it in an envelope and left it in, in
2: Allen Street. Did you ever gain access to the house at 13 Allen Street without Brenda Page's knowledge? No, never. Did you ever either retain or obtain a key for that property? No, I didn't. Did you ever climb in the window at the back of the property? No, I didn't. Did you ever look through her papers when she wasn't there? Certainly not. Indeed, did you ever look through her papers when she was there? No. Apart from the occasion when you were in the house to feed the cats, were you ever in 13 Allen Street when Brenda Page was not present? No. On the evening of the 13th of July, 1978, was your car at the Treetops Hotel? No. Was that a place that you frequented? I
1: didn't know where Brenda Page worked. I never asked about that. I was never at the Treetops Hotel. I didn't even know about the Treetops Hotel until it closed a, a few months ago. Sorry, until it closed? Until a few months ago this year it closed and that was the first time that I'd ever heard of the Treetops Hotel.
2: Now, after Brenda Page left 12 Mile End Place and moved to the property at Allen Street, were you and she continuing to be intimate?
1: No. No. We went intimate on any occasion after she had uh, left the property in 1976 and we were separated and then
2: after the divorce, again, never. So you've told us that the date of the separation was the 20th of June 1976, is that correct? That's correct. So at any time after the 20th of June 1976, did you have marital relations with Brenda Page? I did not. Either at your house or at uh, 13 Allen Street. Neither the one nor the other. The ladies and gentlemen uh, have heard evidence about the fact that uh, sperm belonging to you potentially was found on bedding at 13 Allen Street. <laughs> you remember that evidence.
1: Brenda Page had a large quantity of linen given to her by her mother, who was a housekeeper at a hotel, and during the time that we were trying to have a baby, we had marital relations on a variety of sheets, and if you have a large number of sheets and a large number of duvet covers, say there are more than 50 sheets, they're not going to be washed in a short space of time. Normally speaking, sheets are on the bed for a maximum of two two weeks at a time. So if you have 50 sheets, it'll probably take two years before you wash a set of sheets the second time.
0: And there it was, the explanation for his sperm being on the sheets. A bizarre explanation, and one he was going to be asked many more questions about. In the next episode of the storyteller, Naked Villainy, claims by Kit how his sperm got onto the sheets at the murder scene.
1: Marital relations prior to 1976.
0: A letter from Brenda sparked by jealousy.
1: Brenda Page wrote me a poisonous letter saying that she never wanted to see me again and she felt terribly badly treated
0: and The Crown compares Kit to Dr Jekyll and Mr
1: Hyde.
2: That description sums you up very well, doesn't
1: it? Not at all.
0: If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate and review as it makes a huge difference to guiding people to hearing this important story. This is an entirely independent production and your support is greatly appreciated. And if you want to hear exclusive interviews, longer episodes and insights, please head to the Patreon. The link is in the show notes. Thank you again for listening. This is a piece of history and you are for the first time in this format witnessing justice being done.